Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club, a podcast very high on horror films. My name is Devon Taylor. I am your host. Why am I so high on horror, you ask? Well, in this episode, I'm going to tell you all about the movies that got me into horror films and um, why I love them now as opposed to when I was younger. But before we get into all that, why am I high on horror? Well, I'm not yet, but we're about to because I'm about to smoke up this Jay Bleasy right here. Uh, this this joint or blunt. Uh, well, no, it's a joint because it is rolled in paper. But this joint right here, it's a thicken. It's also it's rolled with you know regular weed. It's rolled with some keef. Uh, those of you, if you're not a weed enthusiast, don't know what keef is. It's like the fine dust that comes after you like grind it up and stuff. So it's like really fine and broken down. So it's really potent, kind of like espresso, if you will. Yeah, if, uh, keef is the espresso of grounded up weed. That makes total sense. And then it's also got oil mixed in with it. So this thing is dank as fuck. We're going to get real high. I'm going to dig in deep back into the past. And uh, you're going to learn a little bit about me. And uh, yeah, let's just go ahead and kick this bad boy off, baby. Yes, yes. Woo, yeah. This thing is so fucking potent. I smoked one of these last night. I was sharing one. So I don't know how high I'm going to get smoking one of these bad boys by myself. But that's exciting. Can't tell you the exact strain that's in here. I can tell you it came from Brando Extracts, an LA-based marijuana company. But, um, but yeah, this thing is, is fucking potent. So I'm, uh, you know, come, come back and forth between it. I got the bong ready too, because as I've already learned from the first episode, the joints are going to be hard on my throat. Um, uh, I mean, when recording, you know, such a long episode, granted the rest of the episodes are not going to be as long as the pilot episode. The pilot episode, of course, is working out a lot of kinks, figuring shit out. I had a lot of, uh, you know, nervous energy still built up. Um, it's a lot. It's almost two hours and two hours of just myself. Like I, that was one thing I was kind of worried about was, oh, you know, a solo podcast, I might be able to fill up enough time. It might be engaging enough or have enough to say, um, to fill up a podcast. Oh yeah. That was not an issue at all. I mean, I was talking really fast too. So, uh, pilot episode, it's fucking a chaotic hot mess, but that's exactly what you would expect it to be or what I would expect it to be. So, you know, it's all good. 
Um, you know, we got it out there. We talked about The Neon Demon and Starry Eyes, uh, two of my favorite films. It was a good intro into Devon, into my taste of what kind of horror movies I like. And, um, you know, you got to know me a little bit. This one, you're going to get to know me a little bit more as we dig into the past a little bit and go through my horror origins, you know, some of the first movies that I watched, um, the ones that made impressions on me when I was younger, um, and then, you know, what eventually, um, you know, there were movies later on that came that enhanced my love. It's been a journey, but it did start pretty early. Um, before we get into that, let's do the house cleaning things, house cleaning things. I meant housekeeping. Um, yeah, this is the second episode, so please make sure you guys are, um, you know, downloading the episode, subscribing to the feed on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leaving some reviews so that way your boy can get on the charts and, uh, more people can find the show. So make sure you guys are doing that, you know, drop likes. Uh, so with the, with the video portion, I still haven't figured it out yet. As of the, the time of this recording, you know, I'm recording video with these as I'm doing the podcast and that's how I intend to do it is put out the video podcast, uh, on YouTube a couple days after uh, the podcast is uploaded on Spotify and Apple and shit. Um, of course I ran into some issues, you know, like, having, you know, my fucking recording stopped a couple times and I'm having some file transfer issues. So the first episode, I don't know if the video's uh, going to go up for it. I really hope it does. Hopefully I can figure this shit out and uh, just keep working with it. It'll be late, but uh, hopefully I can get worked out with this episode. Fingers crossed that I fixed some of the problems that I had with the first recording and hopefully... Um, that'll be lead to a more smooth filming session here. And hopefully, um, I will have the, definitely have the video episode up for this episode. If not, I'm really sorry. I'm going to get my shit together. I might need to order a few things, uh, switch up the way I do some shit, but it's all good. We're figuring it out. Um, you know, it's been three years since I've done a podcast. Um, I mean, not, well, maybe not since I've done, I mean, I've guessed it on a few podcasts and I mean, maybe I was doing TV at my brain in 2018. I think, I think that's whenever I stopped podcasting it was in 2018, but 2017 was like when I really was in the grind and shit. So, you know, I'm getting, I'm shaking the rust off, figuring it out and, uh, glad you guys are on this journey with me. So speaking of journey, let's go ahead and get into it a little bit. Hold on, I need a uh, sip of my coffee that hopefully I don't spill all over this beautiful white t-shirt. White t-shirt. I said that because um, I also did forget before we got into the podcast episode, just like last time, and this only really matters if the video um, is up for this episode, then that's the only way this matters for your audio pe- I mean, it still matters, but anyways... Uh, a shout out to my homie, Vintage Redo. Um, she uh, collects vintage clothing. She finds them. She modifies them. She does all sorts of cool stuff. Um, she has a wonderful collection online. So find her on Instagram at Vintage Redo. Support them small businesses, y'all. Today I'm rocking a white Stoli t-shirt, uh, Stoli in red. Um, I wanted this shirt because I have this sweet Stoli Dickies button up. That's like probably my favorite shirt. 
I'll definitely, oh, well, I don't think I'll get to wear it uh, on the video portion because it's up against a black background. But it's one of my favorite shirts, so I had to get this one as well. <clears throat> this one I also bought, so it's not available to shop um, most of the time whenever I wear one of her shirts for an episode. It will be one that is on the website that you could buy. But occasionally, whenever there's a shirt that I really like, I'm going to buy it myself. So this one is unavailable. It is mine. But please check out Vintage Redo on Instagram. Um, check, follow her on Instagram then. Check out her website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, fucking bounce back. Another sip of coffee. And let's get into it. So... <clears throat> When, when I talk to people about movies and um, the movies that I love and the movies that I want to make, I mean, it's horror films primarily. I mean, I love films in general. I love all movies, um, all genres. Uh, I will hopefully make movies of all different genres, but horror is my, my primary. That's my baby. That is, uh, that's my love. I'm, I mean, that's my boo, you know? And... And, you know, some people don't get it because horror is a genre that isn't always for everybody. Everybody doesn't love it. Horror has a bad rap. You know, a lot of people think that horror movies just suck all the time um, because, you know, these are people that only see the horror movies that come to the theaters, which are generally the shittier of the shittier variety uh, as of, I mean, usually before, but it's gotten better. Like, we get higher quality horror movies in theaters now. But it's always gotten this bad rap of, you know, just being the, the cheap bullshit movies that's in theaters that you're going to go with your friends with, not really pay attention to, <clears throat> hopefully get a few scares in, and whatever. Um, but there's so much more. There's so much more. There's, I mean, fuck, there's so much more. And so it's hard to explain to people, you know, whenever they're like, why horror movies? Like, what is it about horror movies? So hopefully that's what this episode's going to answer is, uh, why do I love horror movies so much? When did this start? Um, what movies influence me? What movies continue to influence me? Shit like that. So it's going to be different than last episode. Um, I'm not just going to be sitting here recapping the movies that I'm talking about and I'm not going to be going in depth with a lot of these movies. I'm going to be shouting out a lot of movies. I do have three main films that we will be talking about today. Um, these were the three first films that I saw at age seven. These are like the pillars of my horror foundation, if you will. A few of them, at least. So these three will get a little bit more um, talk about. And even one of those three isn't going to be talked about a whole bunch because I know I'm going to end up covering it uh on a future episode down the line maybe all of these really so but there's there's three main ones I'll talk about and then a lot of them I'm gonna shout out but most of the movies that I talk about today will get their own more in-depth episodes down the line to really break it down these um this is just to like I said kind of give you a, a a roadmap a timeline of um you know, my horror journey and how we got here. So let's fucking, let's get into it. So Devon Taylor, age seven. Um, I've, my, my family, um, loves movies. Both my parents love movies. They're big movie heads. I've grew up with a huge collection. 
Um, I mean, so many VHSs, damn. And um, my dad, he hates horror movies, hates them. But my mom, she loves them. And she, she was always the one to show me the movies that I shouldn't be watching. Um, you know, she, she loved her, um, the like celebrity ghost story shows and shit like that. Uh, and I mean, she still does to this day. She loves that spooky shit. And, um, I can't, so here's the thing between these three movies, two of them, I'm not sure which one I saw first. Um, it could be either one. But for the sake of right now, I will tell you about A Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, for the sake of this, be one of the very first horror movies I've ever seen. Disclaimer on this one, or on what I just said. Um, I do have a memory of younger than seven, for sure. I was definitely younger than seven years old. And, oh, fuck. I'm... So shit with these mic levels, guys. Bear with me. Bear with me. Now I'm back. Um, but um, a nightmare on Elm Street for all intents and purposes, it was the first one that I actually watched. However, I do have a vague memory of watching the House on Haunted Hill remake. The only reason I remember this, I remember the VHS cover. I remember watching it in my grandma's living room. It was like a family get-together. It was late at night. I think they meant to watch it like after I fell asleep, but then I woke up and was wanting to hang out with everybody. And and I think it was around Halloween time, and I remember watching it, and I was getting freaked out. Like, just because, I mean, I haven't watched that movie since. I should. I should, uh rewatch it but I haven't rewatched it since but I just remember being freaked out by it and I was screaming and crying and trying to tell him to turn it off but nobody wanted to turn the movie off because I wasn't supposed to be awake in the first place so I remember my uncle AG who is another person that is responsible for introducing me to a lot of movies a lot of horror movies and I remember I was getting real scared and he gave me a pair of plastic teeth a pair of plastic vampire teeth and he's like here put these on and he's like and he's like you won't be scared of what's on the tv because you're scarier than them he's like yeah scare them and I was like ah and uh and then I don't really remember watching the rest of the movie believe I finally fell asleep um but I do just remember like random scenes I know Tay Diggs is in that movie which is funny because I've met him multiple times in real life now um I do know he's in that movie um, I know a lot of it takes place in the basement of the castle. There's some, I don't, yeah, I don't really fucking remember, but that was so I, but I don't count that as like the first movie horror movie that I watched, but that's just like the earliest early memory that I can really remember. I was probably, I know that movie came out in 1999 or 98. So I was like four or five at the time, but so age seven comes around. And Mindy shows me A Nightmare on Elm Street. I remember watching it in broad daylight. It was it was in broad daylight because I remember it was just me and her hanging out. My dad was uh, my dad was at work, so me and my mom, Mindy. I'm gonna go back and forth. Whatever. We we go to the video store. We go rent it. 
it was one of those video stores. It was a like small owned one. It wasn't a blockbuster Hollywood. I think it was just called video. Like, I think it just said video store, like outside the, the door. And it was uh, one of those ones that they gave you the cases. They were like these like beige, almost leather like, but it was like leather plastic. These like leather plastic beige cases. If anybody ever rented movies and they came in those cases, please send me a picture if you like have one or something. But I do remember that. And we pick up the movie. We go back to the house to go watch it. And I think A Nightmare on Elm Street is a lot of people's uh, gateway horror movie, if you will. Like, if someone, a lot of the times when people ask me if I'm not into horror movies or I want to introduce someone to horror movies or even like I want a horror movies to show your kids. Um, maybe this isn't the one to show your kids. I do have like more kid centric horror. Um, we'll talk about that in an episode in the future, but, but as far as like this being a gateway horror film for people, um, in terms of it being entertaining, it, um, has high quality. Um, there's effort put into it. It's not just a bullshit horror movie. Um, it's genuinely scary. It has an iconic figure um, to, to you know, associate with that movie that you're going to remember. You know, Freddy Krueger is a staple of horror history of pop culture. So it's easy for this to be a, a gateway horror movie because, I mean, um, you know, it just, it just hits all the right beats. It scares you just enough, but it's entertaining, too. Um, it has a great final girl, um, great villain. Um, a lot of iconic scenes that, I mean, this is, you know, for a lot of people, one of the best horror movies in all of cinema. Is it one of my top horror movies? Um, I mean, I like it a lot now, like to this day, I like it a lot. It's a great film. Um, it has some real, um, for an aspiring filmmaker, it has some really cool shit. Like whenever you watch the movie and then there's a lot, I mean, there's so much behind the scenes, uh, footage and documentaries about a nightmare on Elm Street and some of the the filmmaking tech uh filmmaking techniques that they use in this movie are so fucking cool and like it's like damn and it's one of those movies that you can watch now or that I watch especially that I'll watch and go okay yes like I can make films like it is possible like some of the things that they're doing in this movie that you think are incredible or something at the time were just simple practical effects and can be replicated to this day uh, I mean the the rotating room not that or uh, not a ro- the rotating room um, like shooting the room upside down not something that they invented you know the rotating room was a, a 2001 space odyssey thing and um, there's other movies I've done, but like, you know, sh- you know, doing shooting things upside down for, you know, inverted effects, um, you know, using um, like stretchy rubber material for the walls, like shit like that, that they did, you know, um, you know, playing camera footage backwards or forwards or at different speeds, you know, just very uh, textbook, simple filmmaking techniques. And it's really cool to watch. But and I remember watching as a kid. It just, it it freaked me out for sure. Like, I mean, what the, like, because the scariest thing about A Nightmare on Elm Street is obviously Freddy Krueger 
can get you in your sleep. So you're never safe because everybody's got to sleep. So, and you know, that's what's always, that's what always stuck out to me from this film, you know, cause there's a lot of themes about, you know, um, you know, um, like fucking ca- not cause and effect. I mean, yes, cause and effect, but a better word for it or the better phrase for it. Um, action consequences, you know, like there's that action consequences, um, growing up, um, about sexuality, you know, there's all sorts of themes within the film, but just the, what always stuck to me as a kid and to now is that it's just a, 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 the best way to how to tap into fear. Like, how do you just make someone scared when you, when you're creating a movie? Like what creates that fear? And A Nightmare on Elm Street is a natural fear generator because it taps into that thing that every single person, you know, experiences, relates to. Everyone has to sleep. And, you know, so you can think of it as just like, hey, there's things in the world, you know, there's, uh, you know, monsters and demons out there, you know, real life monsters and demons that, you know, in situations that you can't avoid that just happen to everybody. And, um, you know, and the fact that it's set in, uh, Midwest suburbia, um, you know, I'm from the Midwest from a suburb. So, you know, it just, it's very, it's a very relatable horror movie. So I think that's another reason that it just works as a gateway horror film for a lot of people. Um, it just, it, it connects with a lot of different people and it, and it holds up the, I mean, the, the first one, you know, like I said, we're, we're going to break down the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise at some point, like over a few episodes. So we'll really break down the franchise itself. As for A Nightmare on Film Street by itself, still holds up like fantastic uh, 20 or how many years is that? 36 years later, 36 years later, still holds up to this day. Um, Great movie. Yeah, great movie. Uh when it as far as like ranking it amongst the 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 big three you know freddy krueger jason michael myers the halloween movies friday 13th uh a nightmare on elm street is mm, it in halloween i mean friday 13th is number three for sure um halloween and nightmare on elm street they're really close they're really close Halloween might get the edge just because it's a little more subtle and I love the score. So, you know, but I think the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise itself as a whole is stronger than the Halloween or Friday 13th franchises like as a whole. It's more consistent. It's not the best slasher franchise. We're getting into that here real soon. Don't we worry about that. But, uh, yeah, but it's like, it's good, you know, it, it's not amazing to me, like, I don't love it, but it's good, it's a good movie, let me relight this real quick, hmm, how's your guy's day going, my day's going pretty good, yeah, 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 so Mindy introduced me to that one, and she would you know, go on to show me a lot of other horror movies. I'd find them in the VHS collection. She loved them. And so the other film 
The next film that I'll talk about briefly is the movie Cube. Uh, Cube is a movie from 1997. It's a Canadian film uh, directed by Vincenzo Natale. Uh, so Italian. Such an Italian name. Um, but it was a film that my uncle showed me. Or it was me, him, my older brother, and my cousin. And I was... Uh, six years younger than my older brother and cousin, so they were, you know, older than me, but I always wanted to hang anyways, you know, so even when they were watching scary shit, I wanted to be there, you know, and watch scary shit too, um, and my uncle, AG, you know, very much the stereotypical cool uncle, um, he didn't have kids of his own for a long time, so, like, me and my brother's and my cousin, we would always hang out at his house and shit. Like, you know, he always had the fun shit to do. He always had the video games. He had so many movies. And uh, we just fucking kicked it, you know? We fucking played in the basement. And we did all sorts of fun shit. We just kicked it, you know? And uh, so, yeah. So, he didn't care how young I was. He was showing me the cool shit, too. He was like, you want to watch some scary shit? We're going to watch some scary shit. And one of the first ones that I watched with them was a movie called Cube. So, Cube is a sci-fi horror film, if you will. A sci-fi thriller. Some people might even argue with me, but fuck off. And Cube is a movie where, because I know a lot of people haven't seen it. It is like a cult classic, uh, but not a lot of people have seen it still. Which, all three, the entire Cube franchise is on like fucking YouTube movies and Tubi right now, I'm pretty sure. And, like, on every, like, Cube's on, like, every streaming platform right now. So, if you haven't seen this movie, there's no excuse to go and watch this movie. Um, Sorry if I spoil anything, but not really. I told you every episode of this podcast got a spoil shit. But Cube is a movie where a group of people, they wake up inside of this cube room um, of a certain color. And they all, every wall has a door on it. And so some people wake up together, um, they're in like different rooms, but there's like six main people. Ah, damn it. I just got ash all over my laptop. Ah, Get together. Hold on a sec. Whatever. Making a mess here. Um, but cube. So all these people, they're in different rooms. They eventually meet up. What we figure out is each room could potentially be booby-trapped. Some rooms are booby-trapped, some are not. Um, the only way you know is that rooms are marked in between the doors by certain numbers, and there's, like, fucking some math equations you gotta do to figure out if the room is safe or not. All this shit, and it's fucking, it's dope. It's a dope movie. It's Saw before Saw was a thing, okay? Like, I mean, it's a, I mean, that's, if I would say that the Saw series was influenced by anything, it was definitely Cube. So, but it's still not very directly correlated. But um, but it's such a is it's a cool ass movie. I love like group horror movies with like an interesting ensemble where you get to know different characters. Um, this movie's great. It's got characters of different ages and races, like 
you know, this is back in 1997. The Canadians have always been ahead of us in everything, including representation in horror films, apparently. Um, which, you know, is something that I think about now that I was like, damn, they were really ahead of the curve. Um, but I love an ensemble film like this. I love movies where people are put into a extreme situation and have to figure out a way out, how to survive. Um, I like movies like that. Um, it's, I, I still love this subgenre a lot to this day. And most recently the platform that came on Netflix, um, when a lot of people really dig the platform platform is fantastic. One of my favorite movies of this year, not that I've seen many from this year. Um, a lot of people, when they talked about platform said it was cube esque or Snowpiercer esque and it kind of, it's a little bit of both for sure. So I I love movies like this um because you just get to see there's there's nothing supernatural going on it's just you know these humans you know eventually trying to work together without turning on each other some turn on each other you know one character um is mentally handicapped so he's you know kind of he he's a hindrance to the group but then you later figure out that he is, has like the high operating autism so he like fucking um can do all the math equations and all that shit to like help people get through it it's a great movie some great characters um what stood out to me as a child whenever I watched this was damn the idea that what if I fucking went to sleep and then woke up in you know a situation like this in a foreign in a foreign area container you know trapped against my will well if I just you know went to sleep one night like everything was normal and then you wake up or you're going out and then you know you black out and then you just wake up and some shit like that that's fucking terrifying and not that I don't think that anything like this has happened but again it's something that could happen for sure like some crazy fucking lunatic could could design something like this I mean especially now I mean it's fucking 2020 you know, because I mean, it doesn't have a future, a futuristic edge to it. At least not the first one. <sighs> like that coffee ASMR. Um, yeah, but the second one goes a little bit more sci-fi driven because then the traps start warping reality and creating illusions and time travel shit. So the second one does get a little bit more sci-fi and less grounded. But this first one is just, it's very grounded in reality. And that's what, so yeah, that's what, like, what what would scare me. And as I repeatedly kept watching this movie, um, I've just always, I it's a fun horror movie. How do I describe a fun watch? Like, whenever I'm talking about a movie, I'm going to say that a lot during a lot of movies like if a if a horror movie is a fun horror movie that's like the one where you 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 your adrenaline's pumping while you're watching it you're kind of a little bit more connected it's but this but you don't feel the stakes of it I guess I don't know it's like a low stakes but it's entertaining to watch it's like you're not watching because like when you see somebody die in one of these traps, it's satisfying because it's these traps are really weird and intricate and some of the characters deserve it for being dumb, you know? So 
it's like it's it's a fun horror movie to like it's fun like when I watch it I have fun watching it it's not you know there's definitely horror movies that make you sad that like fucking make you feel disgusting you know make you feel sick inside shit like that this is a fun movie like this is a one to put on with some friends um I think it's, it's a fun group watch it's interesting who do you think's gonna survive who's gonna make it you know, picking your favorite characters, all like that kind of shit. It's a it's a fun horror movie to watch. So that's something I appreciate. It, uh, it's very well paced. It's um you know fucking lean and mean. On I think it's like what ninety six minutes, ninety minutes exactly. Fucking lean and mean. There's no filler. It gets going like straight out the gate too. It's just it's a it's a really great thrilling horror movie. Um, with some interesting scares, it's got some interesting traps, some good kills in it. Um, it's it's just really good, and it's and it it's interesting how many people have not seen this movie. So, um, if you haven't seen, and there is a sequel and a prequel, and I like all three of them. Uh, the second one, um, it's it definitely goes like very ambitious. It's uh gets a little bit more high concept, like I said with warped realities and time travel and shit like that and it also expands on the lore the background of the people behind the cube on why some of these people end up in the cube shit like that and then the prequel also expands that even further it's kind of like an approach that cabin and woods takes where part of the movie takes place within the cube and you're watching the people trying to escape but then the other part of the movie is you're watching two technicians who work for the company watching everything go on. And so I like the prequel a lot, or at least the last time I watched it was, which was a while ago. I've seen the first cube quite a few times. I've seen the sequel and prequel only a few times. So um, I will maybe cover this franchise on, um, on a future episode so I can rewatch all three of them together, break it down a little bit deeper, analyze some of the themes, um, and uh, also because there's some really cool behind the scenes shit to this movie. Um, some really cool details about it, just like how every character is named after a real, um, like, famous prison. Um, you know, they actually built, like, one room, and the way that they filmed everything was really interesting with the functioning doors and stuff. Uh, for 1997, it has a few CGI effects in it that are decent, but there are a lot of uh, really good practical effects. Um, they had they designed the movie with a mathematician, so it's like all mathematically correct and shit. Um, yeah, there's a there's a lot to break down with uh, Cube and the rest of the franchise, so that will probably be a movie that I dig into in the future, or at least the whole franchise. So again, same with Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare on Elm Street, it'll take me a few episodes. I'll probably just do one episode to cover the Cube franchise. <sighs> so yeah. And um, like I said, it was is it was always really fun with with um watching movies with my uncle, my cousin, my brother. You know, I was the young one, so they're always trying to scare me. So it's like I always had that that thrilling experience as a kid. And I think 
that like I mean like we'd always like play games like turn all the lights off and they'd like do like scary voices to scare me one time they did it and I fucking took off running and then busted my nose on a metal pole fucking um they're always playing pranks on me and shit so I think and so that's what I loved about horror films when I was younger was the was the thrill of it. Like, you know, watching something that I knew I was going to get scared of, that was going to give me bad dreams, that was going to give me nightmares, that was going to make me turn all the lights on in the house, but still wanting to watch it anyways. That's what that's what got me hooked on horror initially was like that feeling. And that's what I was watching it for. I was watching it f- I was watching fun horror movies, you know. I I still was watching some scary shit. Um I remember, I remember I only watched half of The Exorcist because it was scaring the shit out of me in the broad daylight. It didn't help that, like, my uncle and brother, they would do uh, the screamers on, on the computer, you know? Dude, does anybody remember screamers? Um, I didn't fucking think about these until um, a YouTuber, Mr. GG did a video about them. I was like, oh my gosh, like I was tortured with these things. It'd be like, you know, a regular video, um, like a fucking picture of something or a rocking chair or a swing set or something like that. And then a scary face would pop up with a loud ass noise. And it was usually Reagan's face, um, was used for a lot of the screamers. I remember, and those things scared the fuck out of me. I'm looking around right now as if, like, a face is about to, like, crawl <laughs> crawl up and fucking, like, scream in my face. I don't know why. And I'm, like, looking at my laptop as if one's about to happen or something. Um, But, yeah, they always got me with those, so I couldn't finish The Exorcist, I remember. It was just funny shit. Like, if you want to hang with the big dogs, you know, if you want to hang with the big kids and you know, watch the, watch the scary shit. I just had to do it. So, so I always enjoyed that for the thrill of it. And, you know, started off easy. And then the third movie that I can remember of like, okay, I've seen some of the, you know, I've seen some of the lighter fare. I've seen some stuff. And this isn't even like a hardcore horror movie. It's even more of a sci-fi movie if you if you want to. But The Fly was like the first that I remember of like seeing some really gnarly shit. I mean, it's a Cronenberg. I'd say, you know, if you're like if there were tears, you know, to horror and I mean, that's kind of hard to say because I mean, I I would say The Fly is definitely scarier and a little more visceral than A Nightmare on Elm Street. And Cronenberg's films in general would be, like, on a scarier tier than Wes Craven, generally. You know, Cronenberg, they're not fun. <laughs> they're definitely not fun. Um, they're, they're definitely there to fucking shock you and shit. And that's the first, like, the one of the earliest films that, like, I can remember watching it in a scene being like ingrained in my head like burnt like that the image and scene being burned into my head and that scene it's um the scene where Seth after him and Ronnie get into a fight and he leaves and he goes to this bar and he gets in an arm wrestling match and fucking break snaps a dude's forearm while they're playing 
And man, that scene, it's so good. The effects are so good. Um, if If I recall, The Fly won the Oscar for Best Special Effects, which I didn't know. And I'm pretty sure, yeah, for Best Makeup. Um, and deservedly so, um, because the movie is just fucking gnarly and like these, the transformation that fucking Jeff Goldblum, um, playing Seth Brundle, the, the transformation he goes through is just so disgusting. Like, I mean, I remember I would like to this day, you know, peeling fingernails and teeth are easy, like ways to get me like, I, I can stomach a lot of things these days now. Um, I mean, especially since I started so early with horror movies, like I can take just about most anything, but if it involves teeth or fingernails, that's whenever I'm, I'm tightening up, I'm cringing, um, still gets me. So like his whole transformation, um, I've always loved body horror movies to this day. One of my favorite subgenres of films. It, it, the fly falls into a even deeper subgenre um, that I call mon roms that I really love monster romance films because the fly is not only one of the best body horror movies of all time because it's always mentioned on the best body horror um, list and rightfully so but at heart it is a very great love story between Seth and Ronnie Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis at their hottest. I mean, Jeff Goldblum has always radiated sexy energy. I mean, both of them to this day still do, but man, 1986, Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis, hot. Like, Gina Davis, like, can we talk about her for a second? Because I feel like nobody does. Like, her in The Fly and Beetlejuice, like, she is a fucking hottie. I don't know if, like, I'm the weird one or something. And then when she pops up in A League of Our Own, like Gina Davis back in the day, she had like a, I don't know, she had a thing going. But anyways, The Fly um, is one of the best horror romance movies because they have great chemistry together. Their love story is believable. The love story works getting intertwined into the character arc of Seth. Um, David Cronenberg's films always have a layer of sexuality to them, and um, and it's real interesting with this one when it comes to you know, um, fucking making fly babies and shit. Like if you and what to do if you did that. Like ugh, ugh. But it's uh, and then and then the ending where he holds the shotgun to her to his head and like pleads for for Ryan to kill him finally. And, you know, and then that's, it's just like your heart breaks for the two of them. The fly, it's, it's like beauty and the beast. Um, it, or, uh, yeah, it's like beauty and the beast. If beast died at the end instead. Um, I still haven't watched the sequel for the fly, which I've heard. I mean, the, the like scores for it are pretty low. I've heard some people say it's actually not bad and I like, you know, read like a summary of it and what like got carried over from the first one. One weird that the only character that is carried over is fucking John gets as Stathis. One of the weirdest characters with a weird name. Who the fuck is named Stathis? 
Is that a Canadian name? Because this is also a Canadian film. Um, I don't know. But uh, from what I read about the sequel, it seemed kind of interesting. I've seen some clips and the effects are has some gnarly shit in it. I don't know. I'm going to watch The Fly 2 one of these days. Because um, I've always been curious. But The Fly has always been one of my favorites. Um, be afraid, be very afraid. One of my favorite taglines for a movie. Um, with that phenomenal poster. Um, it, it's, it was just one of those movies that like the imagery seared into my brain and had a, a physical effect on me, you know, it made me feel gross and shit like that. And so that's what I gravitated while I was younger. But now as me as a filmmaker, that's the, what I want to do with my movies. I want to make people feel, have a visceral reaction and feel shit. And, like, watch something and be like, ah, like, and have images burned into your brain associating it with that movie. That's what I want to do. And um, I, I, I still watch The Fly quite often, at least once a year. Um, it's, a, it's a really good one. Will I do an episode on The Fly by itself? or not by itself, maybe, um, I'll get into David Cronenberg's filmography a little bit more, or, or maybe I might talk about it with another Monrom monster romance film, Spring. I love that film. Maybe I'll talk about those two movies together. I don't know. I haven't decided yet, though. And, so, like I said, and, uh, AG showed me The Fly. My uncle AG showed me that one, too. I remember it was just me and him and he could tell that like, you know, I was into these horror movies and like kind of curious about them and wanted to show me something that had a little more, a little more edge to it, a little more meat to chew on, um, or dissolve with vomit. I don't know. It was, uh, and it just stuck with me. And those are just, you know, the three off the top of my head that I have the earliest memories of that really had an effect on me. There's a lot of other movies that I could talk about um, that I watched when I was younger that contributed to it. Um, but these are also movies that would get mo- um, episodes like later on down the line. But movies like Blade um, had a big impact on me as a kid. I absolutely love Blade to this day. Like I'm, I fucking love that shit even more. Like, ah, Blade is so good. We're going to talk about the Blade movies for sure. Uh, Candyman, Candyman is definitely getting us like probably a solo episode because I love Candyman. I met Tony Todd. I got a, my Candyman tattoo right here. Um, it was the first time I remember as a kid, um, seeing one of the iconic horror villains being a black man, like how fucking like that just like it, it blew my mind. Like, cause for a little bit, all the horror movies I'd seen were just filled with white people. And then I see a fucking black man fucking leading this movie being the fucking boogeyman. That was fucking cool. And then, I mean, and then now what the movie means to me now, uh, there's a lot to talk about. Ah, love Candyman. Um, American Psycho is a movie I remember not understanding. And then um, once I started getting deeper into movies and analyzing them a little bit more and um, watching them in, you know, a different way. Um, American Psycho is a movie that, um, took my love of horror to like another level. 
um, made me appreciate a, a dynamic performance in a horror film like Christian Bale and as Patrick Bateman, one of my favorite performances of all time. So that was one of the first times I was like really zeroed in on a performance and being like, you know, somebody, a performance is grabbing me and that carrying me through the entire movie. I mean, the entire movie is fantastic too. So much to talk about. I have an American Psycho tattoo as well. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The OG is one of the best horror movies ever. And I didn't... So I'm drinking water. And uh, I didn't see that until... Ooh, that was a disgusting crack. <laughs> I didn't see that until 2016. Um, whenever I was hosting my old podcast, Jesus Take the Real, which is only available on YouTube. So if you do want to go back and listen to that, it is on YouTube. It's not on um, like Spotify or Apple anymore. But anyways, um, I didn't watch that until, you know, four years ago. And that was around the time that I guess this would be a good transition for this was, you know, so growing up, I always loved horror movies or I loved them. And I had fun watching them. I loved them. I wasn't in love with them yet. So then I started, I watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And then it had just this huge effect on me um, in terms of, you know, movies that I wanted to make, um, horror movies that I really loved. It just had this huge effect on me. And I, I mean, I, I loved it. I mean, I was just like, holy shit. I remember I watched it again the next day. Um... And I was just enthralled by it. So around this time, you know, four about four years ago now, is whenever I really fell in love with horror movies. I always loved them, but now we were in love. And that's because whenever I found art house horror. So like I was talking about at the beginning of the episode, how most mainstream horror is what gives horror a bad rap. A lot of people will say all horror movies suck. Every horror movie that comes out these days suck because they're talking about just the big horror movies that come out and go to theaters, the mainstream horror movies, which aren't always the best. So it gives us a bad rap. And so it was like growing up, I spent more time just watching older horror movies, you know, like I wasn't watching a lot of the movies that came out in the early 2000s. Um, except for like a select few, but like, that's definitely the weakest decade for horror movies. In my opinion is like the, from 2000, 2009, I'd say it's a very weak decade. Like even now going back and rewatching movies from that time, but growing up, I wasn't watching those movies. I was, I was watching the movies that were on the VHS fucking, uh, entertainment center. So I was watching all the older movies and whatever movies my uncle had. So those were the movies I was watching. And then, so once I got into college, or I guess after college, and then like four years ago, that's whenever I started um, finding indie horror movies. You know, once I found this online film space, started um, watching YouTube channels and listening to podcasts and doing podcasts and shit like that, that's when I found this online, because the internet is what helped out indie horror to be where it's at now where indie horror is fucking ruling, especially during this quarantine, where they can still release movies. But I didn't know about indie horror and art house horror. Like, art house horror being, you know, these 
um, more, you know, artistic, um, you know, focusing more on aesthetics and things like that. Um, these smaller budget films where the directors get to do whatever they want, make their singular vision, these uh, a lot of times no-name directors, um, things like that. Once I found indie horror, that's when I fell in love with horror because indie horror is what made me think about wanting to make horror films because so when people ask me why I want to make horror films, why horror films are my favorite is because I think you can tell stories in a horror film that you cannot tell in regular films. You are not uh, confined to the rules of reality always because you make the rules. I mean, you make the rules in any movie, but for most movies, you have to follow rules of reality to like make it feel real. You know, horror movies, you can do whatever you want. You have the freedom to tell these more interesting stories or tell the same stories, but in a more interesting way. That's why I love horror movies. You can, you know, because horror movies, you can make a a character story, you know, but decorate it in, in, uh, in a very cinematic, cinematically lavish film, you know, or I don't know. We'll, we'll get more into that later, like in a future episode. It's kind of hard to explain, but, but art house horror really, well, I was just like, there's so much more horror out there that people aren't seeing that's being made and the way that they're being made, because, you know, like they're still doing stuff with the practical effects more than digital and visual effects. Um, it's, you know, like it's, it's so fucking cool. And the movie that was kind of the turning point for that was It Follows. It Follows, another movie. Um, I sound like a broken record that I'm sure we'll do an episode in the future on. However, for now, I'll just give you some notes. Hold on, bong hit. Now, It Follows, I distinctly remember, was the first movie that I saw at my local uh, independent uh, movie theater. And back in, when I was living in Springfield, Missouri, they have a lovely local independent theater, the Moxie. Um, shout out to the Moxie, because they are the reason that I saw so many films that I love now because like I mean I just love not even just in the horror genre and most films I enjoy smaller indie films and uh shout out to to the moxie before you know things were more streaming ready I could go and see these art house indie films and you know movies that nobody was seeing and then I always had the movie to tell people about that they hadn't seen because you know moxie was like it's a little hidden gem in Springfield you know it has its community and uh, so shout out to them for showing me a lot of really cool movies. But It Follows was the first movie I saw at this theater. So it was the first time being there and I watched this movie and I was like, oh my God, like how is not ev- how is everybody not talking about this movie? But it was just, it was unlike anything I'd ever seen. It, it, it created this surreal, timeless era. Of, I mean, it's still in Detroit just because there's a sign 
but what they did with this like timelessness aspect they don't know if it's in the past or if it's in the future um just there's certain weird things about it um the the use of recurring motifs and visual storytelling and the way it uses the entire frame and uh the the score for it by disaster piece that this was one of the first times that i started paying attention to composers in films and being like hey who composed the score for this i really like this i want to listen to that again and because i love film scores film scores are one of my favorite aspects of movies and i didn't realize how important they were to horror films so the way that it follows use the score was something i hadn't seen in a film so again like using other you know using the the audio experience to enhance what you're seeing the storytelling and making making it an experience that was one of the first times i had seen that and it follows was one of those movies that i go okay i'm really into this fucking horror game now a movie and that same year is like the i saw movies like that uh the voices uh, later on, Nocturnal Animals um, is a movie that like kind of made me think like, oh, that's like, you know, it's it's not a horror movie, but can be a horror movie. Um, and like and with these indie and art house um, horror movies, they were a lot of movies that were bending genre and not staying in a genre and me being and expanding what I know to be the horror genre. So like a little breakdown about that because I always have thoughts about this because I hate when people say such and such is not a horror movie. It's a thriller. Think of it this way. Horror movies are, um, horror movies are squares. Thrillers are rectangles because all rectangles are, are squares. Not all, or no, no, no. Fuck backwards ah, i was trying to be profound here not all squares are rectangles but all rectangles are squares you feel me fuck now i'm off track. i don't even know if i'm still on the same but um you know horror is an umbrella it's a big umbrella and under like you know it's at the top and then there's the branches there's thrillers and like you can go into the subgenres like body horrors paranormal um, sci-fi horror, whatever. I include all of this under horror, or you can say genre films. If you want to talk about horror movie, sci-fi, um, I guess fantasy, but I don't really watch a lot of fantasy. These are all genre films. Excuse those burps from a minute ago. I tried to like breeze through them, but I think you guys are going to hear it, whatever. Um, these are all genre films. So, once I started to expand my definition of what horror films were and watching more of them, that's it. That was it. And I'm going to, like I said, It Follows will get paired up with another movie down the line. Uh, Nocturnal Animals might get its own, maybe. Maybe soon. I don't know. The Voices, I'll probably pair that with a movie somewhere too. So again, all the movies that I've been talking about, like shouting out throughout this episode will most likely get episodes in the future. But but yeah, so that's where that's my horror journey where I'm at now. I mean, I still I mean, I watch a lot of movies. 
like horror movies are not my only thing, but this podcast is for horror movies because we need more podcasts um, and recruiting people into the horror community. We need it to grow. We need horror to not have such a bad rep. It's gotten better because the 2010s were a fantastic decade for horror movies. Fantastic, um, especially from 2013 on. I mean, we've been fucking killing it. We've even won a few Oscars here and there. So, you know, but I watch a lot of movies, but I would say 75% of the movies that I watch like daily are horror movies. And, uh, you know, I just can't get enough of them. They like fucking, it's so weird how I get excited. Like I'll be watching a movie sometimes and somebody will be just like, there'll be a really brutal fight scene or somebody's getting like hacked to pieces or something, or there's a lot, or there's a copious amount of blood. Like, give me a scene that has just copious amounts of blood in it, gallons of blood, and I will just have like the biggest giddy smile on my face, or laughing, or some. I cheer during horror movies. Does anybody else do that? Like when you're watch, like not cheering for the characters, like getting away from the killer. No, I mean, like, cheering, like, when somebody is just getting brutally, like, dismembered. I don't know why I, I'm like that, and I don't know why I enjoy that, but I do. That makes me happy. Like, horror movies just fucking make me happy, you know? It's that good shit. It is that good shit. I told you this episode is going to be a lot shorter than last episode. I don't know what what it was, but we're running lean and mean because we're going to wrap up this episode here in a minute. Sorry, just taking a minute. Don't worry, your audio did not cut out just now. We're taking a minute. So what's coming up on the podcast? Because like I said, I like to keep you guys, uh, let you guys know the schedule so you can watch the movies in advance and keep caught up um with the with the podcast because it's kind of like a book club because like I said I'm spoiling everything I'm going deep on these movies so I want you to watch the movies beforehand I mean I am very happy if you're listening to this podcast and I turn you on to a horror movie and then you watch it afterwards sweet I'm glad I did that I'm sorry I ruined it for you because I'm gonna spoil it so like I said watch the movies in advance I will always tell you I will give you a couple weeks in advance sometimes I'll let you know so what's coming up on the docket for the bloody blunt cinema club next week we are covering parasite this is a an entire episode dedicated solely to parasite because there's too much to talk about that movie it was my favorite movie of 2019 it was the oscars best picture winner man this movie like just it like like I said like why I just like have this big giddy smile on my face like while I'm watching it or when I show someone else and I just like look at their faces and wait for reactions because like I just love it so much and because it's just made so fucking well like ah this movie's so good so I'm really excited as you can tell so if you have not seen Parasite watch the movie before next week's episode I highly encourage it. It's currently streaming on Hulu at the time of recording this episode. Um, 
but please i know a lot of people have seen it now because you know like once a movie wins best picture that's when people are finally like oh i guess i should watch that movie um and i'm fucking happy that fucking the the horror community got one and that's what we'll be talking about as well a little bit what i was blabbing about a little bit ago because some people say parasite's not a horror movie parasite practically doesn't have a genre I mean, I would say it's a, it's more of a thrilling drama, maybe, but horrifying things happen in it. People get killed. That, that's good enough for me. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert already. But, um, but yeah, we're going to talk a lot about Parasite and about genre in general. So I'm super excited for that. And then following Parasite will be our first franchise. So, this first franchise is one of my favorite franchises in horror. I think it's one of the most consistent um, franchises in horror for many reasons. Um, it's one of the few horror genres that still have its original continuity going intact with the same creator behind it. So, horror fans might know who I'm talking about. We are going to be covering the Child's Play franchise um, over a three-week course after Parasite. So we're going to do Parasite, and then we are going to have Child's Play broken up into three parts where I'll do the first three movies, then I'll cover Bride and Seed of Chucky, and then I'll cover uh, Curse of Chucky, Cult of Chucky, and then maybe the TV show if the TV show is out by then. Um, So that is the first franchise we're going to be covering. So if you have not seen all the Child's Play movies, Chucky movies, um... Oh, and I guess part three, I guess I will include a little bit about the remake, but fuck that movie, so, meh. Um, but yeah, so that'll be the first franchise we're covering. Super excited for that. It's one of it's one of my favorite franchises in horror. I think it's the best slasher franchise, uh, for sure. So there's that, and then um, I'm still figuring a few things out after that. But I mean, now you know the next uh, what we're gonna be doing for the next four weeks. So, now that you're up to date, I think I had one more thing. Oh, I will most likely be, I said uh, the podcast will come out every Wednesday. I'm going to change it to every Tuesday already. Um, It's good to do it now, do it early. So now it's always going to be on Tuesdays, not Wednesdays. I realized a lot of podcasts come out on Wednesday. I don't want to just like clog people's timelines up with podcasts. Um, and like, it's like specifically like other horror podcasts come out on Wednesday. So I don't want to just like fucking get lost in the shuffle. So I'm moving to Tuesday. The audio will be up always on Tuesday. The videos will be up on Wednesday or Thursday. I will say Thursday just to give myself a couple days. Yeah, because I'm already having issues with the video. Hopefully the video for this episode, um, goes up smoothly. Um, but yeah, so new podcast episodes every Tuesday. So next week, Parasite, get ready for it. I'm super fucking excited. Um, I had a really fun time uh, kind of going through my horror history um, and let you, letting you guys know like how I got to where I'm at now as far as horror movies go and uh, going back on some of those memories and getting excited to talk about a lot of those films in future episodes. Um, but I just wanted to do this episode as, you know, a bonus episode for debut. So, you know, I'm going to have this episode up here in a minute. I don't know why 
I'm, I'm kind of talking to myself at this point now. Uh, yeah. But that is episode number two of the Bloody Blunts podcast. Hope you guys had a good time. Make sure you guys subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And make sure you guys are following me on social media at Bloody Blunts with three O's. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram. Subscribe on YouTube. Stay lifted, fuckers.